Huzzah! Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter Laren. Today's someday, December 17th, Friday, December 17th, 2021. I'm joined by a Carrie from a very stark background, or with a very stark background. Oh, and Tiger. I didn't realize Tiger was going to be with us. What do you think? Is it, it's a Santa Tiger. <laughs> it's Santa Claus. Claus, get it? God. That's a cat, a cat costume, the Santa Claus. No, he's got claws. All right. Anyway. <laughs> that was just for with? your your reaction um, alone. <laughs> that's fine. Huzzah was just for you for some reason. Good. So, um, welcome, everyone. Confetti Break is a live show we do every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific. And um, this actually is the last one we're going to do for the year. So we'll return next year. We're going to take a little break because you should take breaks and celebrate and do other things rather than bitch about woke culture all day long on Twitter. Um, you can watch us at unsafespace.com or on Utreon or on where else? Odyssey. I feel like I'm forgetting somewhere, but those are the main places. Oh, DLive. Uh, D-Nice. Yeah. Unsafe Space is the best place to watch us because we never censor ourselves. Um, I don't know. You can follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafe space and you can support us by going to unsafespace.com and you get cool goodies like that mug there behind me uh or your name in the credits or both or whatever so uh, what else do we have to say oh book we club. have book club coming up this sunday december 19th if you haven't had time to read it you can still it's free on audible right now if you listen to it it's thomas souls black rednecks and white liberals and you can also get it on YouTube. I heard you can listen to it there for free as well. If you want to speed listen, you can change the setting and get it like on four times the speed to get the book in before Sunday. It's always free. You know what though? It's kind of, I'm listening. It's kind of dense. Yeah. I think if you, if you put it on speed listening, either you have to be really, really focused or you're going to miss some stuff because it's <laughs> probably, it's, you, you can't just zone out for a couple sentences and come back. Right. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, um oh wait wait also january oh that too yeah uh, if okay. you want to get a head start we're going back to fiction in january so we're doing crime and punishment by dostoevsky and you have a lot of time to read that don't laugh i've perfected my Russian i'm laughing business. only at your self-consciousness <laughs> yes. <is> still palpable. <laughs> there's certain words man i just would rather write <laughs> um I would rather write all the words, but that's <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's January thirtieth. Plenty of time for that, and um, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Your holiday gift to us, if you don't want to be a subscriber or can't be a subscriber because you know not everyone can afford it, your holiday gift to to us can be smashing the subscribe button. Uh, and if you want to screw over the holiday of all the wokies at YouTube. You can get them the same thing. You can smash our subscribe button. It's two birds, one stone. It's great. All right. All right. I think we're done. Welcome. Welcome. Housekeeping. If there's any new people here today, I apologize because we're just going to have a fun old time with lots of inside jokes. And I'm kidding. You don't have to apologize for that. That's okay. Yeah. New people. Welcome. I remember one time somebody said, I don't like this show. It's a bunch of inside jokes. But isn't that what all shows like live shows kind of become when you're hanging out with people? 
Sort of. Yeah, but it's not all inside jokes either. It's just yeah, like there's some of them, really. and you're uncomfortable at a few moments because you don't know what we're talking about, and then yeah. we move on and talk about yeah. something that you didn't. He know said about. intermittent frivolity. Why is everyone laughing? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I feel on the oh, outside. Wait. Oh, actually, I'll wait. I'll wait till we have guests before I bring this up. So let's do the okay. other thing you wanted. Yeah. So Carter and I wanted to thank you if you did hang in with us through last week's episode, which was a bit unusual, and M Monday's last episode, week, Monday's right. episode. And we had a disagreement on camera that then afterwards we talked about some more and realized that we completely misunderstood each other. And we thought it would be worth um, correcting this in case other people misunderstood either what I was saying or what Carter was saying. So I don't, we don't want to get into specifics, but this, but, but in talking about dealing with disordered personality types, be they narcissists, borderlines, um, uh, sociopaths, what have you, I was drawing a distinction. I would, there was, there was this realization that I had in the past year and a half and longer, like in the past two years, I've been coming to this understanding that the reason why these people are enabled and get further in society, the people like Harvey Weinstein's, the people like the Jeffrey Epstein's is because of cowardice and greed. And I was sort of trying to make the point that I think cowardice is fear that's become perverted by putting it up above everything else. And greed is, is ambition that's become perverted by putting it up above everything else, even the truth, even principles, right? And Carter was making the point, and I don't want to put words in your mouth so you can make this also, but making the point that the best thing to do with a narcissist or some type of disordered person is to not engage, which I've heard that advice a lot. And I, I often, most often agree with it. Um, the clarification we wanted to make was that when I was saying people, when I was saying silence, people who remain silent, allow this to continue. I didn't mean people who don't engage. <laughs> Carter thought I meant people like him who don't engage. That is not what I meant. And I think anybody who's followed him in the past year, if we want to talk about that specific disordered person, they know where he stood. He made it known without having to make a big pronouncement. Um, his lack of engagement and the few things he would say here and there were obvious. Um, the When I said silence, the word that Carter, that I should have said that Carter would have understood better was enabling people who, what was the example I gave you that, that helped uh, Well, understand? we were talking about Harvey Weinstein in, right. in our conversation afterwards. And you were talking about people who like, no one like continued to like, Work, work with, with him. him and support, yes. like support stuff going on. And like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I can't not work with Harvey Weinstein. Right. And, you know, and like, and, and Carrie was like, that's what she meant by silence. That's not silence. That's enabling. <laughs> what I'm talking yeah. about silence is like, you don't actually have to go fight the crusade. I completely um, agree. You can, and, and the extent that you want to fight the crusade is, really depends on your goals. If your goal, if it's very upsetting to you emotionally and it's hard to fight the crusade and it's going to ruin your life and it's going to be a problem, disengage. That's the yes. way to avoid it. If you love a battle and you want to go do it, fight the crusade. That's fine. You can go fight that crusade. But in no case is enabling okay. And we were talking actually about people who were like, oh, I would have someone on my show even though I know they're horrible. Yeah. Because... Even though I know me. they're horrible, I'm above the fray. And that's a fake, that's a fake above the fray. Yes. You can't, it's, if you, if I were to say, well, um, I have, uh, I don't know, let's, let's pick someone, Victor Frankel 
and Adolf Hitler. Let's we'll, we'll rewind and depend. We they're both alive. I have a radio show here, and I have Victor Frankel and Adolf Hitler. I don't want to pick sides, so here they both are. We're just gonna treat them both equally. It's like, well, I that's not above the fray. That is that is actually very akin to pragmatism, which I have called the handmaid of evil. Right? Pragmatism. That's just a well. I have a. I don't want to be forced into making a moral decision because I'm a coward. Therefore, uh, I will pretend like not drawing a moral distinction between Viktor Frankl and and Adolf Hitler is somehow a, a, a honest, good, just stance, when in fact it's just a cowardly stance. I know damn well the moral distinction between the two, and I'm just having both of them on or the one that I know is bad because I'm afraid or I want something or out of it. want or, something out of it. Yeah. And that's yeah. something I saw happening with this person we, we were talking about, but not just with that person. Like I said, I, I see it everywhere. It's a much bigger phenomenon. I see it with politicians. This is why Hillary Clinton gets to be Hillary Clinton is because right. people enable, they stay silent, meaning they, they see it happening. I'm not talking about the people that don't realize what's going on. There are people who are too busy to pay attention or whatever. I'm sure that are like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. This, this just looks like drama to me, but the people that know, if you know, someone has a bad character and you enable them and you make excuses. And, and I heard excuses that were like, well, I know this person is X, Y, Z, but I'm, they have a big audience. They have a big audience and I need to grow my audience. Oh, right. oh, gross. Um, or B, uh, I'm afraid what they'll do to me. I get that fear, but that's still cowardice. And there was someone who told me it wasn't like, like Carter was like disengage, right? There was actually someone who, this is how you know you're involved with a disordered person, by the way. Someone was saying to me, um, I really, I'm afraid of this person. I have to try and get away from them. So I'm, but I can't just stop engaging because they'll know and come after me. So I have to keep liking things and say, and saying compliments and things and slowly pull away. And it was like, right. Oh no. <laughs> like, right. like, Whereas with not... this person, you and I had separate, separate, but both immediate reactions. You reacted by arguing and engaging. And I reacted by immediately no, not disengaging. Do you remember? No? I did not. Mm -mm. The reason I thought you reacted with me. the temple. Okay. No, I disengaged. That's why she came after me. We mm. we quietly what but I but you publicly you said I you were blocked her. No, I blocked her, and she saw my block thing, oh, and then I asked an of, but, okay. blocking. Yes, but come on, that's that was enough. Seeing the block yeah. thing and asking my friends not to tag me with her, and yeah. then boom, it was the race off to the races. Public attacks against me, which I ignored for a good amount of time. On multiple platforms but the point being no i agree with disengagement and i and and if you can do that and and you i think that's the best option if it works i think it's the best option but it's not the same thing as the kind of staying quiet i was talking about was enabling enabling yeah and there's a distinct difference and once we clarified and, that you didn't mean staying silent so much as you meant no, enabling i meant like the, the conflict between us then resolved immediately because it was a d definitional thing. It was like, yeah. oh, you're talking about this and not that. And if anybody wants to know why this is important outside of this one case, and that we are going to wrap this up and bring on the guests, but we can talk about similar stuff. This is, I've realized something, this is, this is the problem with what's going on in the society at large is so many people care about what others think of them um, or think or care about what they can get out of, out of, people or things or they care about, they, they have this fear of 
What if I oppose this? What if I, I let it be known that I'm not part of this ideology? Or what if someone thinks I'm not part of this ideology? Or what what will they do to me? What will happen to me? What will they, and and I, I truly think this is, I saw it from within our community, people who are willing to just, I guess, give up their principles for a time being because they, because of either that kind of cowardice or, or greed. And so, and, and, and I'm, I, I might be speaking <laughs> some, I don't think you're going to have very good success fighting evil ideology. If you can't even stand up to one evil person, whether <laughs> through disengaging Right. Or you know what I mean? Like right. you can't even walk away yeah. from. I don't want to piss person. off one person. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good luck saving so, Western civilization. Good luck saying. Yeah. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You can't even. Yeah. It's that get your house in order thing, right? Like this yeah. is the small monster that you've been sent to see yeah. how you deal with this monster. And what are you doing? You're enabling their monstrosity. Why? Well, I want to get some views on my show. And right. Which is which? Which. I I'm calling pragmatism. This is the like yeah. abandoning principles for what's expedient. Right. Um, all right. We should, we should okay. bring other guests on. Before we do this, I, I want one clarification. I don't want to argue about or talk about it. I disagree with your definition of greed, but we, that's, that's another okay. topic for another. That's day. interesting. We can talk about that another day. Yeah. It doesn't matter for this conversation. <laughs> all right. Let's bring in. Pretty greedy. You guests. drop it right there at the end. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I made a greed joke. It's a joke. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, should we bring on um, William Wallace or yeah. bring on the William Wallace? Who bring should on... Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Hi. Hi. What is that? Sweet potato oh, chips. Oh, that is triggering. Josh is going to leave. He's not. <laughs> we he might not even be here. Hashtag problematic. <laughs> Our first guest, you may know her as the William Wallace of the sewing community, also known as Jennifer, a.k.a. Little Ragamuffin. And we've already seen your shirt, but let the audience, if they're watching, let them see. You're wearing a pretty right. spectacular Christmas shirt. There you go. Chuck Norris <laughs> is going to deck your halls. What? <laughs> did you make that? No. No, unfortunately, I did not make this one. This is from Walmart like five years ago. I, I'm just going to throw this out. Missing in Action is one of the best movies. I love that movie. I, just, just I like Walker, out. Texas Ranger. Like of course. Show. I mean, everyone, like, yeah, Walker yeah. is a good show, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But Missing in Action is like, when I think of Chuck Norris, I'm like, Missing in Action. I don't even know that movie. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, never mind. We, we don't have to get into that movie. Let's bring in someone who will be really upset at your culinary choices. <laughs> There he is. He didn't run away. Hi, guys. <clears throat> it's Mr. Josh Slocum from the Disaffected Podcast. We had somebody in the comments on our video on Monday, Josh, who said, oh, my gosh, I love this podcast called Disaffected. It's all about Cluster B. You, should, you guys should go watch it. <laughs> like, ah, really? You should come on Friday. You're going to get to see it. <laughs> Hey, Jennifer, uh, just, it is nice to meet you. We talk at each other on social media, but this is the first time we will actually talk, talk. Whoa. Hi, I'm, I'm just going to say, Jennifer, hold up your bag of things there that you had. Oh, Where's... oh, he didn't see. Oh, I saw. <laughs> He's oh. ignoring. 
I it's part, one of the best. It's it's got corn in it though, so it's not all sweet potato. <laughs> one of the, the best descriptions I've heard in a while. Uh, that I just like. There's something literarily that I really love about it is when Josh called those the devil's tuber. <laughs> yes. Yes. The or the tritone of root. They're the tritone of the culinary. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My husband is a musician, really loved that one. He was laughing about it for a while. Uh, welcome, both of you. Welcome. If you don't I'm, know who Disaffected the podcast is, how do they find you, Josh, really quickly? It's more a question of how they avoid me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're on YouTube. We're on all the regular audio stuff, Disaffected podcast. Just look for us. Um, and there we are. That picture behind you, that frame behind you, Mm -hmm. makes me feel like I'm back at home in the 80s. It's like a, it's such a, it's so white. It's my grandmother's. It's the only <laughs> family photos I have. It's very nice. It, it's like, I it's very it. homey. That's what it, it is. It makes child. me feel like, oh man, that is, it's home. I'm, there, I feel like there should be, is there a fireplace in the room you're in? I, no, but that's what kerosene lamps are for. Okay, fair He's enough. He's got like some Gone with the Wind lamps. Uh, All right. <laughs> awkward silence. Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about? Today? Well, but first, really quickly, I just want to say one more moment of frivolity, and then we'll get into the topics. This little ragamuffin, since she's on camera, I'm going to show this. She sent me this <laughs> Dolly Parton Christmas mug. It's called <laughs> Holly Dolly Christmas. It's super cute. Thank I you very saw much. it, and I was and, like, uh, "This is Carrie," and I have to give this to her. I love it. And because my I'm in the middle of moving, I don't actually have any Christmas decorations. It's the first year. So I'm trying to get my holiday spirit in other ways. And so hanging out with you guys. This is our last show that we're doing for Christmas. I mean, other than book club, right? So thank yes. you for being here today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So I I just I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys what's going on in the news that you don't think has been talked about enough this week. Or that you have, that you is bothering you, or maybe making you happy. Anything? <laughs> Nothing. I, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't really care for when they say stuff like you can't. Uh, the you can't talk about the vax people spreading. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that kind of irritates me. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, for anyone who's not yes. familiar, Twitter just said that, uh, I mean, there was some nuance to it, but it's, you know how it's vague enough and they could selectively apply it. But they said that you're not allowed to, on Twitter, say that if you are vaccinated, you can spread COVID. And so <laughs> that was a headline that was going around. And, and I didn't people, see that. You can't yeah. talk about if you're vaccinated, you can spread COVID? Yeah, you're not allowed to say vaccinated people can spread COVID. But that's so true. everybody needs to go out and say that, like right now. <laughs> Let's go tweet. Amazing. I missed yeah. this. It's yeah. Amazing. Really? Yeah. All I saw was Biden telling us that we were all going to die this winter. I wish I had that clip. Did you see that, you see that clip? <laughs> no. of Biden? Like everyone's going to die this winter. The unvaccinated. It's like a, a winter of death for the unvaccinated. Hold on. Now I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna see if I can find this. Uh, well, it's one, such a thing, big clip. one thing that's consistently bothering me and other people are telling me that they're noticing it too. And I don't know if it means that we're just noticing it now 
and it's always been that way and we didn't notice it before or if it's different, but the number of times that people like President Biden or Vice President Harris or people who are elected officials are getting out on social media and issuing direct orders Mm -hmm. to the population is really disturbing to me. It's tone, but it's more than tone. They are, in fact, direct orders. Yeah. Get your shot. Get the net next fax. Get boosted now. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. No, Here, I, Beverly, I just sent you the video of Biden. If That's you why there's I don't know if it's if it's always been that way, either Josh or just more of it now. But I have found there are a lot of opportunities on Twitter nowadays just to reply to politicians and say no. Because they are giving so many orders as, you, as you're talking, like it's. I don't remember being able to do that as easily. Like you could open up Twitter right now and just see a bunch of blue check marks making these declarations. You do this, mm-hmm. and just spend all day going nope, nope, nope. <laughs> like, like there's a lot of opportunities for it. All right, let's let's just. I can't believe you guys didn't see this. It's one of my favorite things this week. Let's Beverly pull it up and yeah, let's let's play this puppy. We're unvaccinated. We are looking at a winner of severe illness and death unvaccinated for themselves, their families, and the hospital will soon overwhelm. Sounds like a threat to me. Doesn't it sound like a threat? Yeah, do you yeah. think it does sound like a threat, but do you think people are still watching this stuff and, and believing it? Some people. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a whole segment of society that has only tuned into that and nothing else, you know, like they don't follow anybody opposing their own views. They're in their echo chambers, you know, so like this is what they see. This is what they believe. And it's kind of sad, you know, because if that's all you see, that's all you're going to know and all you're going to believe and you're going to be scared. So you kind of have to feel bad for them a little. Well, and there's a lot of social pressure, right, to not uh, yeah. step outside of those those echo chambers. Well, I know people, though, who got both vaccines or both shots, right? And they, it's just, just anecdotal, that's what I'm asking, I have no idea. But they, they are plugged into this or people who are afraid and were very afraid for the first year or what have you, who kind of started to see through all this and are like pulling away from it and are not getting the booster. And yeah. So I, I don't know if that's indicative of if the people I know, if that's like people at large or what. Well, there's something weird about the Omicron variant. I, I mean, I guess so I'm risking in getting in trouble on YouTube, but I, I don't this this isn't I don't think this is controversial because Fauci has said this stuff like the the Omicron variant is seems to be much less dangerous. It does seem to spread, but it seems to be much, much less dangerous. And so the questions like. If you've been doing all this stuff and you get all your your shots and now you're being told, I mean, we're being told, put your mask, someone, uh, I forget who it was, someone the other day was telling one of some, some expert, put your mask on at Christmas with your family and like just like ridiculous stuff, right? You're being told all of this stuff. You're being told, oh, you know, another booster, another booster soon, the booster will be required in order to be considered fully vaccinated. We're seeing this in much of the Western world. And, and yet here we are and, and we're seeing all this freak out over Omicron, like New York locked down over Omicron. We were seeing colleges say, oh, because of the Omicron variant, we're going to do blah, 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 blah. And yet, even the mainstream scientists, 
scientist in quotes, even 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 the mainstream experts that talk about this stuff admit fully that Omicron is less dangerous. It's less deadly. Uh, it's less, you know, it might be more contagious, but it's less deadly. So th the idea that like they're slowly ratcheting down the re the risk requirements for authoritarianism. So at the very beginning, it was like, well, we, we don't want to be authoritarian, but this is an extreme case. It's so dangerous that we have to, right? Which is was never true, right? But um, certainly if, you know, when they say something like that, people's minds go to this like, well, gee, if there was a, like, if there was a zombie apocalypse, could they force people to get the zombie vaccination? Because that would really be bad. I guess they would have to, like, and people because people are pragmatists kind of like, well, I guess I would give up my freedoms for that. Right. And so they, they have this narrative <laughs> that like the COVID, yeah. the COVID so dangerous that we have to do this. And now they're just kind of slowly, I think over the next few years, they'll just slowly ratchet down the requirements for it. Well, this is less dangerous, but still right. Yeah. And, and before we know it, like, yeah, it's just a cold, but we got to vaccinate you. And like, it's like, yeah, all right, well, but, literally everything is going to be required, right? I just, well, saw, and then they'll just move on. They'll move on to fatty foods or whatever it is. Okay. I just saw where they said uh, the Delta variant and the Omicron, if you get them at the same time, it's going to like turn into this ultra virus or something. In fact, yeah. Actually, they said, which is true. They said it could. Yeah. It could. Of course, it could. <laughs> yeah. We know how biology also, works. They both go into the same human body. They could <laughs> metastasize, like not metastasize, they could evolve into something like really bad, or they could evolve into the cold. <laughs> they could do a lot of things. Yeah, they, it's totally scare tactics. And someone in chat just said, turning on the screw says, if it saves just one life, that is that is an excellent phrase that distills the, yes. the logical fallacy that's being used to rip our freedoms away from us. I, I want to say something, but I know Josh had something to say first. No, go ahead. No, really? Well, okay. The, if it saves just one life, th this is where it's going to go there with guns. That's what I think is going to happen next because we bought it. We bought it on this, on a, on a flu, on a cold, like we bought it for something. Can you imagine five years ago telling people that, Hey, things are going to get so crazy. There's going to be so much propaganda. It's going to get so dystopian in a few years that average people are going to believe that they have a right to tell you that you can't go outside and go to work or go to a grocery store because they might get a cold or get a flu from you or virus from you. That, that, that's, that's crazy. You have no right to do that. You have no right to tell your neighbor he can't go provide for his family because you're afraid you might catch something if he has something. We've, we've bought that now. I don't mean- And we bought it us. overnight. We, we bought it overnight. We, we were brought there overnight. Yes. We were ready for it. Mm -hmm. We were this kind of people. We've been this kind of people. We are not who we have been telling ourselves that we are. Yeah, not for very that's a great point. Time. Yeah, that's and a they're going to do we've the same thing that we're. Yeah, we're, we're going to do the same thing with guns because it worked for us with the cold. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that, so? Gary. I, I think we've been trying to do the same thing with guns for decades. I mean, they tried with they tried, they tried. to do this through environmentalism. They tried to do this with guns. It. Guns didn't resonate. I mean, maybe in a couple generations, guns will be able to resonate with the population a little bit more. I don't. I don't see the population resonating with the same. If it saves just one life for guns, I don't Here. see that yet. But they, it does resolution. resonate with medical stuff. No, let me give you a thought experiment. 
This is what I mean. This is what I, like, Carrie's get crystal ball. <laughs> They're going to do imagine because we, we didn't see COVID coming, although the pharmaceutical industry did. You know, they were having they were planning for this just happening like a year or two later. Um, you know, the the World Economic Forum, weren't they having talks about like what what we would do in the event of this happening? It's just an exercise, Carrie. There's just, just thought, there. <laughs> okay, okay, but we didn't see this coming, right? What if what if there are other circumstances that we haven't yet been able to predict in which like some tragic events, large scale events that they focus the media attention on, that they're able to build a certain narrative on and get that foothold. You never know when they're going to be able to get that foothold. Yeah, they've tried it with guns before and it hasn't worked, but they haven't tried it with guns post us accepting all of this authoritarianism into our lives from COVID. Yeah, I just don't think that's where they're going to go. I still think so Americans... I will not, I, I don't think they're going to go there with guns. I, I don't think it'll, it'll work. They'll try as they always do. But I I don't think, I don't think that argument, I don't think the population's primed for that argument yet. I think there are lower hanging fruits that they'll go to first. And I think they're not done exhausting medical paranoia. Um, so there will be more and more medical neuroses and they'll probably go to nutrition. I mean, you see it, you actually see what where they're going in New Zealand. They're banning smoking everywhere now, right? Which is not like it's health related, but it's not a virus, right? I think they're going to. This is yeah. always where they were going. This, this, always. This is not, this isn't something that just evolved right now. This has been part of a plan yeah. that's been going on for at least 40 years. And mm-hmm. people don't like, they don't like, this is a difficult one to get people to understand because people are extraordinarily emotionally provoked by the issue of cigarette smoking. They are provoked in a way that they are provoked by very few other things. Cigarette smoking has become one of the activities where actual malicious hatred of a certain class of people is socially encouraged and applauded. I know we have more examples than just that, but it's not only okay to dislike smoking. It's been okay for 30 years to do everything you can to silence smokers, to take every space away from them, not just your space, not just shared space, but all space. This whole banning smoking in New Zealand, this was part of the plan. It was it was part of the plan 40 years ago when the anti-smoking stuff really took off. And the thing is, There's a term, I'm going to talk about this on my show this weekend. There's a term from the anti-smoking medical establishment called spoiled identity. And that is a term of art that they use unironically and unapologetically to describe the effect of their campaign on the social perception of smokers. This is, they consider it a good thing. When they say spoiled identity, they mean it in a positive way. We have spoiled the identity of smokers so that Anyone who pushes back against anti-smoking legislation is, you know, a priori will not be listened to, will be called a shill, will be called a dirty addict. They are doing exactly the same thing to people who refuse the vaccine. They have honed this technique. They've had 30 or 40 years to do it absolutely unopposed. And a lot of people who are listening to this and watching us right now, I'm sorry, but you have been people who have done this. You have. I know you have because my own friends and family have done it. There's a really big disconnect there. But 
maybe you felt comfortable with it when it was the dirty smokers and you're not a dirty person like that. You've always been a good person, but now it's you too. It's you too. If you're refusing the vaccine, sorry, I went on a little bit too long. Thank you for listening to that. What's that's not the too word long. That was for the great. opposite of spoiling the identity of, cause that's what they're doing to pedophiles. I was just thinking that they're, <laughs> right. they're cleansing the identity of other cleansing. It's yeah. the inversion. It's the perversion, right? It is, it is the flipping. It's taking what, what should be up here and putting it down here and taking what's down here, what should stay down here and putting it up here. This is all reversals. It's moral inversion. Yeah. Which is why this is a moral battle more than a political battle. And it's a cultural battle yes. and it's a philosophical battle and it's, and it's a psychological battle. Um, because that, you know, I, I really like, I, I tweeted this this morning because I, I sometimes forget I feel like I'm beating a dead horse when I say this sometimes because people don't like to hear it. Like, hey, there are principles here. People warned of this a long time ago. You didn't listen. Stop being surprised. This is what they said would happen. Why don't you have some humility and say, I didn't listen. Maybe I should go rewind and listen to what they said 60 years ago or 80 years ago, you know, depending on, you know, won't do well and other people, they, they won't do it. And I'm just going to read this quote because uh, I found it on t Twitter. It's from, uh, it's from a 1963 um, article that Ayn Rand wrote about the nature of government. And at the end of it, she writes, we are fast approaching this. <laughs> this is 60 years ago. So she was like, Hey, this is almost upon us. She's a little early. We are fast approaching the stage of the ultimate inversion. The stage where the government is free to do anything it pleases while the citizens may act only by permission, which is the stage of the darkest periods of human history, the stage of rule by brute force. I don't give a crap whether you like other arguments from someone like Ayn Rand. I don't like arguments from people like George Orwell. He was a socialist. I disagree with lots of him, but he was brilliant about the, the risks of authoritarianism. He had some great things to say. You ought to read some of the things that she had to say about the philosophical roots of this and how we ended up here because she was brilliant with respect to this and knew that this is where it was going. And, and a lot of people mocked this kind of language from her at the time because it was you're you're just be, you're exaggerating. This is hyperbolic. This isn't where it's going. It's all for the public good. We're not going to did a bit. You're exaggerating. You're hysterical. You're histrionic. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, Josh. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> I saw you tweet the other day about different periods in history where authoritarianism or um, totalitarianism where this brute force, the government that Carter's talking about had taken control. Were there people who saw the warning signs early and did they try to resist and push back? And if they did, were they similarly ridiculed and called hysterical or called deplorable or extremists or like what's happening right now? Do you remember that tweet? Uh, like, not specifically, but that, yeah, that sounds like something I would say. Yeah. So right after you, you said that I was at this used bookstore and I found this book. Uh, I recommended it once before, but I just started it. To, but anybody who wants to read it, this is the first book I found. I wasn't even looking for it. It's weird. It's one of those coincidences where you had been talking about something. And then it's called Hitler's Compromises, Coercion and Consensus in Nazi Germany. 
And it's all about people who did try and, and sound the alarm. And it's all about people who did try and resist, be they small groups of, there's stuff in there about women's groups. There's stuff about um, people who were Germans who were married to Jewish people who held protests on behalf of their loved ones. Um, and then it also talks about how he, the authoritarian state reacted to these and, and basically subdued a lot of these resistance movements by with the appearance of compromise. So instead of using brute force to squash some of these protests, it was sort of like, well, I'll give you this. Or some of the protests would come from the church and it'd be like, well, here's what we'll do. That's a, that's a great point. Let's compromise on this, but then use brute force in other ways. So anyway, anybody, you just made me think of that because it is, it is sort of, I thought about that question a lot too. Is it, is this unique to this time where people are sort of, Oh, conspiracy theorists. Oh, you guys are red pill. I doubt. Yeah, I doubt it. But people have always been maligned and ostracized for being canaries in coal mines. Yep. Yeah, of course. That's I mean, where the classic example. Yes. Well, that yeah, that that's that's exactly I. So I don't want to I apologize for bringing frivolity into this. But speaking of uh, speaking of people who predicted things. I found this book. Someone tweeted about this book. It was on my bookshelf. Someone tweeted about this. I had forgotten about it. This is called Politically Correct Holiday Stories. And it was published. <laughs> it was published in 1995. <laughs> so this is almost 30 years ago. And they don't get like, he doesn't get everything right. But he's got like, it was the night before solstice and all through the co-op. Not a, not a creature was messing the calm status quo op. It's just silly, right? Um, but he's got Frosty, the person of snow. <laughs> it's just some really funny stuff in here. And like I said, it's not all like some of it you read and you're like, oh, you thought there would still be men and women. That's not a thing anymore. <laughs> like, you got that wrong. Uh, but, you know, Rudolph, the nasally empowered reindeer. Like there's just all this kind of silly stuff. And you look at this and you're like, this is 30 years ago. Someone wrote a book about this. So you think this was a, I don't know if it was a bestseller, but it sold a lot of books and it was funny. In order for it to be funny, it means there needed to be a large percent of the population that looked at this and saw, the truth. yes, this is the craziness of where things are right now. It is, it is insane. And in some sense, it seems like we've changed a lot since 1995, but I read this and I'm like, we're like three baby steps away from this. Like, it didn't, we actually haven't yes. changed that much since 1995. We just took it like a little bit further and oh, yeah, okay, now, now we're serious about Rudolph's nasally empowered or whatever. Like, now <laughs> we just, we just, that's, that's real it, now. It had no, it had compared to today, it had so little power and inertia behind it yep it was annoying it had enough to be annoying it had enough to force people to have tedious baby bullshit conversations at work and in universities that they didn't need to have that wasted their time but that was about as far as it felt like it had gone it's not like that now yeah social They're media and the internet put gas on that fire <laughs> well, yeah. so the question is, if we rewound to 1995, 
should we have fought this more on principle than we did? I think a lot of people were like, yeah, that's craziness and it's silly, but it's like Josh, you're saying, but it's just annoying. And it's mostly the stupid lefties in universities. Let's just leave them. (laughs) But you can't, you, I don't think, well, well, should the people who could see through it back then, should they have fought it more in principle? Yes. But would they have had an impact? I don't think so. Because we wouldn't have been allowed to. Yeah, we would have been allowed to uh, to have an impact. I mean, because frankly, in in those days, I would have been one of those people who said, "No, this is good. We should be more." You're crazy. You are crazy to say that this is a bad thing. This is what we should want. I would have been canceling these people in the 1995 version of of cancellation. You know, you're just awful. So no, I don't. I think I think if people had fought it more, they would have been completely isolated. They would have been called yeah. exactly the same things we're being called today and it would have been successful and they would have been shut up. They yeah. they would be, it's people like Ann Coulter. Remember how much, I mean, I hated her and I didn't Me know too. anything about her. I just knew, oh, she's against everything that's good and she's this this, this racist, sexist, She should know, put that evil. in her Twitter bio. I'm against <laughs> like, everything that's good. <laughs> and, and so I know so many people who are still in that world who still believe stuff like that. And I, and I implore them if they're watching, I've made even, I've made new friends who are social justice recently. And some of them are starting, they've got little cracks in the belief system. And hello, if you're watching, I am glad you're watching today. And I just ask that you think about what we're saying, because part of you knows that what we're saying is true. (laughs) And it's just that fear of what Josh is saying. So, so if all the people who could see it in the nineties push back, you, there weren't enough people who could see it. Josh and I would have been in that cult. I don't know yeah. about you, Jennifer, but we would have been we would have been supporting political. Jennifer and I stuff. were buying this book and laughing about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> clearly I, I bought this in 1995. It's been sitting on my bookshelf since 1995. So I wanted nothing to do with any in the 90s. I think yeah. I was in junior high and then I was getting pregnant. So <laughs> That's you didn't have time for any of this bullshit. You had real no. things to do. That's yeah. how I avoided all of this. I was just like, teen pregnancies, you know? <laughs> you had to, 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 validate, to validate what you and, and Josh are saying, Carrie. Um, so Thomas St. Thomas writes in chat, in, 20, in 2005, so it's 10 years later, I did a presentation at a university on why we should allow people to smoke in their own private restaurants. People were in shock. Um. And, you know, and I've talked about it before. I was against smoking bans as well. And that did not go well. Outraged anger. Well, look look at what, so this is something I noticed you pointed out on Twitter, um, uh, Josh, is that that same language that they used about smoking for private spaces to ban smoking in private spaces, they're now doing it with vaccine mandates. And, And the New York Times and all these politicians in New York are issuing statements and it's we're so used to it now. We're so conditioned to it that I didn't even notice it till you pointed it out. But they're saying things like, you know, we're introducing this ban today on unvaccinated in public spaces like restaurants and cafes and airplanes. It's like, wait a minute. Those are private spaces. Those aren't public. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Th- thank you for bringing that up. That that's this. This is to me, it's very important. This is another example of how you can learn what, how they're doing it to you right now, if you are willing to listen, if you're willing to look at what they did with smoking, even if you personally hate smoking, okay? It's okay that you hate it. I get it. 
But if you're willing to look, you can see what they're doing now. This is what they did when they started banning smoking. They redefined what are in actual fact, not, not what somebody thinks, but fact, what are in fact private spaces, privately owned restaurants, privately owned bars, not public spaces, not plazas, not government buildings, not even streets. They redefined those as public spaces and they did it with an elision. They hooked it up halfway to the concept of public accommodation, um, which is a term that got very popular in the civil rights movement when they banned um, businesses from, uh, from segregating uh, patrons by race. That is the hook they used. So they put it together and then they slowly decoupled. They decoupled and decoupled until they didn't have to say public accommodation anymore. They could just literally call private spaces public and all of you believed it. You all immediately bought it, you clapped for it and you voted for it. Now they're doing it with this too. I, it doesn't matter if you personally like it or not, it wasn't ever honest. But, I'm glad but you is, brought that up. This is what Josh. This this is yeah. what we got because we asked for this. Yeah. Well, so I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because I'm going to do what I always do and bring it back to philosophy and say like this is this is the problem. You can't actually fight this stuff culturally, and win. Um, you can make strides momentarily, but the tide of beliefs is coming from philosophical premises that are set by the thinkers of this. And they were set hundreds of years ago or tens of years ago or whatever. And they march into institutions and they take over the, the, the language in those institutions. They set the framework for the discussion. And, and the word, I mean, the reason I'm thinking of it here, if you're thinking about things philosophically, the word public space makes you want to vomit. It's not a thing. Unless, unless, it's, unless it's government space or personal space, there isn't such a thing as public space. Even if you're pro-government, right? Okay, well, a town could have a town square, but that's not public space. It's government space. They control it. There, there is no public space. We don't have a public space. We have space controlled by governments and everything else is owned by private someone. Property. It's yeah. theirs. It's private. The idea of private property is inimical to the idea of public space. There's no such thing. And if you want to have a government, which I don't want to have this, but if you want to have a government that's that, and you think it's legitimate for a government to take some resources and own some stuff and do some things, well, that stuff they own is the government's. It's not the public's. It's the government's. They own point. it for whatever reason they have stated that they're going to use it for. And you can try and control that use through voting, but it's theirs. It's not the public's. And everything else is private. And the idea that there is and and you know, I'm, I'm this is maybe controversial, but we we made this problem. So then one more thing. I'm just I'll say something that will piss people off more. This is why the civil rights movement, a lot of the civil rights movement was wrong philosophically. Not, not the movement itself, but the laws. They're wrong because as abhorrent as it is to give people a job based on race or gender and how as bad as that is and stupid and 
and immoral. The moment you tell the government you can control who Josh hires, you're taking away the private ownership of his business from him. It is his business. And the minute that you decide that there's some cause that justifies your commandeering his private property, you have lost the game. You lost. You lost way back then. And you're just now realizing, to your own horror, how much you lost. Because now they're using that power to do things you don't like. So I don't disagree with that last part that you thought was going to be controversial. No. I, I don't actually understand your point about um, people. People uh, colloquial, They use it colloquially, public space, to mean government space. So like a public park, for example. Well, the government owns it, but it's they don't. for the public. But hold on. So that's the way I've always heard it. So I don't understand your point about why calling it public is philosophically wrong when it's the government's like. Could because you because that? I, because people don't use it that way. And I think right. most people don't know what they mean by public space. They will say things like the supermarket is a public space. Oh, that's not the what movie I mean. Theaters are public space. No, that's well, private. But that, but that no, you no, might, no. you might know that. And right, you right. might use that word. No, but I'm, I'm trying to clear up my question, though. My question is about, specifically about, you said government space is not public space either. I'm asking about governments. Why is a public park, why is my town square not public space? Well, what does the word public mean to you? Government-owned. Okay, well, if that if you're going to define public through government-owned, then you can use those terms interchangeably. Most uh, people don't think of government-owned equals public, uh, right? Okay. That's not how they think of it. They think of it as like it's kind of somehow amorphously shared communally. And like if you force them into it, they might be able to say, well, yeah, I guess it's through the government that that happens. But they're not they don't articulate it that well. So I think the the advantage of saying there's no such thing as public space, there's government space and private space forces people to admit how that works and and who is actually in control because when they use the term public space they generally don't have a very clear idea of what that means which is why they can get away with doing what Josh is talking about where they oh well now suddenly Safeway is public space right and if if you have a a concept like public space in your head and you don't clearly understand what that means people can get away with sneaking in Safeway and movie theaters into that concept for you and you don't notice it Thank that you. Sense? you. Yeah, you cleared up for me. So I'm still going to use public space to mean government space. That's the way I've always used it. <laughs> Fine. But when you're communicating okay. with other people and trying to change the world, you might want to be clear about your language so that they don't get confused. Right. right. right? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, Besides, okay. our, our telegram space is not friendly. I didn't know that. I haven't been in telegram for a while. Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on there. Someone's complaining. Josh, you were going to say something. Sorry, I interrupted you. I was reading the chat. I, I mean, I think what this comes down to is is where we rank moral goods in the order of priority. And most of us Americans have, and I was this person for a long time. Most of us Americans have we we rank certain social issues as primarily morally important, so primary that they override every other concern, no exceptions. And one of those is lack of discrimination, lack of segregation, right? So we believe that 
And, and like Carter, I agree that not letting people into your business and not hiring them on the basis of race, I agree with you. It is a moral evil. I'm not disputing that. But it is not the only moral evil. The other moral evil in this conversation is the government appropriating, no, stealing, stealing, by redefinition, stealing private property, which is what they do. We've been convinced that there is nothing more morally important than the social policy goals of the left, whether it's racism, homophobia, any other ism, and that that is definitionally more important than private property. And I think that's why we are where we are. And people will not reconsider that. Some of them are reconsidering it right now for the first time in their lives. Because, well, frankly, for the first time in many people's lives, this is the unvaccinated today. Welcome to being a smoker. You're a yeah. smoker now. Do you understand mm -hmm. that? You are now dirty. You're like me. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Obviously, you can see I vape. Um, they're coming for that, too. But you are a dirty smoker now, just like me. You're not better. You're not protected anymore. You don't get the same courtesy. You don't get the same moral consideration. When people realize that, I think, that they can begin to, to question, was I right to rank these things in the priority order that I did? It took me a long time until, and, and in fact, Carter, listening to you over the past year and a half, was probably the biggest prod I got out of that mindset, that what was left over in that mindset went away from listening to your argumentation. So thank you. I, I, sure. I mean, it, I, this is why I, I harp on philosophy a lot, because there are, you know, if you, if you delete private property, private property is a corollary of, of individual sovereignty. If you delete that, you're deleting individual sovereignty and all these other niceties that you care about, you have subverted. And you might not notice that you've subverted because they all depend on individual sovereignty. But the house of cards doesn't fall instantaneously. It takes a few decades later before you go, oh, my God, how did we get here? We got here because you pulled the bottom card out. 200 years ago or whatever, like a long time ago, you pulled that bottom card out and it's just it's slowly collapsing because you can't have any of these other things that you want. You can't have a, uh, you can't have a world in which people are not racist. If you don't have individual sovereignty, you can't, it won't work out that way. It will not happen. So the, one of the, as a, as someone on the left, one of the things that forced me to, to grapple with what I thought about this was the uh, the story recently of the the in the past couple of years anyway of the Muslim woman who didn't want to wax a transgender woman at a spa. Okay, so this is a good one. If there are You're any calling her a transgender woman, she won, Carrie. How could you? No, he... well, a transgender woman a, a, who's a biological man. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to be. Oh, but you always you always said you refused to call him her. You just you just are now referring. You always used to say, "Oh, I well, refuse to call him." Was it Jessica Yana? Because I don't. Yeah, I do refuse to call Jessica her. But it anyway, for yeah. anyone listening who doesn't know the particulars, I don't want to get confusing. If you are a social justice person listening, there was this case in the news 
of a Muslim woman who did not want to wax the genitals of a transgender woman. It's a biological man because it was against her religion to do so. A transgender woman sued. And then if you, if you ask social justice people about this case, and if you are watching any social justice, I, interrogate yourself about this and figure out what you think about it. Because this is something that messes up the programming and I would argue allows you to see that you've been programmed. A, one of those brief moments of, of being aware of the fact that you it does not compute, that you can't figure it out. Because usually social justice people make decisions based on um, identity groups. So they'll say, for example, here's a very similar case, the Christian cake baker who did not want to bake the cake, perform the service for a gay couple's wedding. Social justice people can answer that one quickly, quickly, because they elevate gay people. They view them as an oppressed group and they elevate them in their system of morality. And they look at Christians as an oppressor group. So they put them down here. So they say, ah, they must bake the cake for this poor oppressed person. They must do it. Well, if you ask them about the waxing, the genitals waxing, they don't know which way to go because they're like Muslim woman, trans woman, Muslim woman, trans woman. I don't know which one is more, should I force them or not? I don't know, because they can't weigh that out. So it's like the one time that you can kind of, if you are social justice, realize that your brain is not functioning right. That's the result of programming. You haven't been thinking all this time. You've just been picking things based on what identity group is oppressed and which one's the oppressor. So if you, if you remove all that stuff, it shouldn't matter if one's an oppressed group or not. That's when I first started grappling with this and through doing the show with you and thinking about it was, oh, I actually don't think the Muslim woman should be forced. The government shouldn't come in and force a person to wax another person's balls. <laughs> like you shouldn't force that, right? I, can and you then, believe that's a question in, yes, in, in this day yeah, and age? Yeah, not and only so, is it a question, it's a live question. I mean, it is very clearly a question that some people would answer in the affirmative because if it weren't, we wouldn't have gotten to a place where there were actual legal structures available to Jonathan Yaniv to harass these women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and so that, if you get there, social justice people, if you can get there and say, okay, yeah, I don't think that this person should be forced by the government to perform a genital waxing on someone else. Well then go, take it somewhere that's hard. That's more uncomfortable for you. Take it to the Christian baker and the gay couple. Should that baker be forced to bake that cake? Here, I'll, I'll switch it to the oppressed groups and the oppressor groups so it's easier for you. Should a Muslim opera singer be forced to perform music at a gay person's wedding? Right. Or, or think, of it this, think of it this way. Um, I guess I'm putting a little bit of a fine point on what you're saying here, Carrie, but I, I, I hasten to remind anyone who may fall into that category who's considering this argument, don't think about it in terms of Oh, it would be bad if a Muslim woman were forced to do this. It's not because she's a Muslim woman. Correct. It's not. It's not. Would it it's be okay she's a woman, a Christian right? woman to do it? <laughs> would it be? And, and would, it, would it be okay to force? What if I don't want to wax his balls? Is it less? Is it less of a harm against me because I'm a gay man? but I'm telling you, I don't want to do this, but it, it's okay. I won't suffer as much if I'm forced to touch his genitals. Is that really what you mean? Does that really make moral sense to you? So don't let Muslim woman distract you into, oh, must have sympathy, has has two oppression points. He has only one oppression point, 
Yeah. Right? But, and but I'm sorry to sound no. sort of a little snotty saying that, but this is the baby way that our yes. minds work when we're on social justice. This is how my yes. mind worked. Yeah. And, and that's, that's actually, the difference. I think that's the difference between a principled person or someone who's figuring out that they have principles and somebody who follows rules. If you follow rules, you're going to follow them and you're going to get mixed up in them. If you're a principled person, you're going to be critical thinking and go, which principle does this follow? And where do I decide what I decide in this matter? You know, so these social justice people, they are rule followers. If you give them a list of things, doesn't matter if it changes tomorrow, they're going to just continue to follow those rules. And whether they contradict each other doesn't matter. If, as long as they're following the rules of today, they're okay with themselves. So a principled person's not going to do that because they're going to look at that situation and say, hey, um, that doesn't jive with the thing from yesterday. So I'm going to stick with the principle. I think you're all being too generous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Everybody I should be able the to better have people, balls waxed. How about that? The better people are doing Regardless. the process that Carrie or Josh or you just said, like, like two oppression points, one oppression point, blah, 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 blah. Those are the better ones. Most of them go on Facebook and see what their friends have to say about it. That's it. That's it. They're they they're social metaphysicians. Their definitions of what's good and what's bad and what's right and what's wrong and what's real and what's not are driven one hundred percent by what's required to conform to their social circle, and that is yes. it. I think you're right, actually. It, uh, but there are a percentage of them. I know because I left it and we've interviewed a lot of people who've left it. There is, maybe it's a small percentage, but there are a percentage of them who are trying to still, there's a part, their brain isn't completely dead yet. Yeah. The and better one. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to make sense right. of the rules. And when, and, and so take advantage of, if you're talking to a social justice person, take advantage of the fact that they're doing the baby calculation of the rules. Like you said, Josh, and, and, and the fact that it, because it's a Muslim woman and a trans woman, that's why they're they don't know the right answer right away unless they pull all their social justice friends. Which way are we going, guys? Yeah. But that but, by the way, that that yeah. causes like I read a really research on Facebook what my friends think about that. Cause like that like it's not a like, oh, this is a hard thought problem. It's like, oh, I don't automatically know what my friends think. I better go check the echo. Can I can I give you guys an anecdote? Someone will do social, that math. Social justice years. So when the when the women's march happened after Trump won, I was still in the social justice world, and most of my, I was coming out of it. But that was at the very beginning of coming out of it, and um, most of my world was still social justice. And so they were all online, like everyone was like, "Yay, the women's march!" Woohoo! Then a bunch of hit pieces came out about how, just like with Occupy Wall Street, social justice like it cannibalizes everything. So all these hit pieces came out saying that the movement was mostly white. And even though a lot of the leaders weren't white, but it was like, it's white and it's cis. And also the pussy hats are transphobic because trans women don't have pussies. And they were like, <laughs> they're really I, upset. Look, I, I, and, I just, I, maybe Josh hasn't seen this in a while, but I just want to clarify for the audience. Pussies don't look like those hats. <laughs> <laughs> they don't? And so if they do run. <laughs> And so they. I don't know where you got yours, Ben. <laughs> and so they took polls online. They did exactly what you're saying, Carter. My friends, they were taking polls, and they did the same thing about the safety pins, whether to wear the safety pins or not. All the white female SJWs, the white women SJWs, went on their Facebooks, and they were like, 
uh, I don't know. Uh, I was wearing a safety pin. Then I read articles about not wearing a safety pin. Uh, can you let me know whether I should wear or not? Only women of color respond. I'm not interested in hearing from any white women. And then- <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, did I tell you in any one of our chats, did I ever tell you about the safety pin issue in the sewing community? No. No. So we have all the fabric companies that print custom fabrics. So somebody decided it was a good idea to make safety pin fabrics when all this was really popular. And it takes about three to six months to get the fabrics. It comes from China. They have to print it and then they have to pack it and ship it to their customers in that short period of time. And people pay for this upfront. Like they're giving all the money for the fabric (laughs) that happened. That flip happened. So there was this massive, like, we don't know what to do with this fabric. Can somebody tell us to be clear? It it had safety pins on the fabric. Yeah. I can't remember exactly, but some of it was like just lines of safety pins. Some of it was um, like graphics, like a shirt would be, but like a safety pin and whatever nonsense they wanted to say on it. But um, it was just funny to watch that because they put all their money out and the businesses got the money. People couldn't use the fabric. (laughs) It's like, what are we supposed (laughs) to do with all this safety pin fabric? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I, you know what else? In three is months, about that? like three months. Three months. Yeah. <laughs> the perils of virtue signaling. Right. <laughs> what else is funny about it? Just and and because you're you're totally right. That's how they think of it. They think, well, now I can't use the fabric. I can't. Yeah. Not right. allowed. I can't. I don't have the choice. There's nothing I can do. They are ruled. Ephemera is too kind, but they are ruled by ephemera, just absolute mental ephemera. Mm-hmm. That means I don't know what that means. Nothing. <laughs> it's just little little tidbits of things that mean nothing, like little little bits and pieces that no one's ever going to remember. Like They're all fleeting. Yeah. Little. You no, know, it's yeah. just nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said I, I, nonsense. Which would be a funny name for a comedy about nuns. I thought you said they were ruled by the <laughs> with nuns, nuns, which is nuns. totally true. Well, that nuns um, with a pocket full of change. <laughs> I want to read this this uh, chat. It's not a super chat. Well, we'll get to super chats, but sometimes when people say things, we just have to read them. I, this is a prediction that I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up and say I, I think this person is correct. Uh, Renault Viato says, "I'm not joking." But next, they will simply identify male genitalia as female genitalia. And if men and women don't no longer exist as distinct entities, their genitalia cannot either. So they will not say you're being asked to shave male genitalia from a trans woman. They will say that is female genitalia because it's a trans woman. And some female genitalia look different. They're already doing this. Oh, really? Yes. 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 Okay, I'm in a group on Facebook for trans if a penis parents. It yeah, moves too quickly for me. Penis, they say it. <laughs> they do say it. They say female penis. I'm in a group for parents of transgender kids, and they, it's a really, <laughs> it's a really sad place sometimes. But they they have in posts in there. There was a there was a parent. They show they share stories, right? And this one parent was talking about her toddler, biological female, her daughter, who is now identifies as a boy who's four years old and was saying something about how she was upset that she didn't have boy parts, that she's not a real boy because she doesn't have boy parts. And the mom said, you know, well, I told him, she's talking about her daughter, her biological female daughter. I told him those are boy parts. Your vagina is a boy part. That's what they're teaching kids now. 
There's an excellent clip We're from so Kindergarten Cop charge. that disputes that. <laughs> Wait, you guys were talking over. Wait, what did you say? I said there's an excellent clip from Kindergarten Cop that disputes that entirely. Yes. Uh, That could be arrested today. So I have a question. The Bob Dylan song, how many roads must a man walk down before you can call him a man? What is the answer? (laughs) You must walk down the road on the way to To the the trans... Yeah, the clinic. Yeah, there you go. Just walk down to that road. But boom, boom. There you go. Hey. No, no. No, you can't require people to have surgery in order to recognize their gender. That is oppressive. If she is yeah, a woman, true. she is a woman. She does not have to have surgery just to fit with your cis expectations. I'm super excited. I brought the voice out. I love your voice that when you do that voice. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably also it's ableist to make them walk down any roads. So, yeah, people. Fair some enough. people can't walk; they don't have legs. <laughs> exactly. What about the legless people? <laughs> oh my! Well, okay. just identify as having legs and get your ass to the clinic. <laughs> All right. Um, Did you guys want to hear from some of the people in the chat? Holly, yeah, yes. I, we should do some super <laughs> chats. So, so let's do a couple. Here's one from Holly. Yes, uh, she says, Carrie. I slept walk. I slept walk through most of through so much of life. No more. Nice to meet Ragamuffin, Josh. I have come to love your shows and appearances. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas to you and the cats. Hi, Carter. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Holly. Thank you. <laughs> Look, sleepwalking through most of life. That's how I feel. Yep. Josh and I had a conversation about this once offline. Yep. It's okay though because you know what? Whenever I start to think wow, I'm doing all, I'm growing up a lot and I had to wait till my forties to do all this stuff that some people go through in their twenties, but at least I did. I know people who are asleep still in their sixties or like, what if you died and you never woke up? That's awful (laughs) to contemplate. So, Hey, you're ahead of the curve in some ways. You want to do one Carter? I don't like grading on a curve, but sure. Uh, (laughs) I'll do... I'll do, uh, let's, we'll, we'll rewind. <laughs> we'll do Zato. Zato sends us five bucks, which is also $82 and 29 lira. 82 and 29 lira. Merry Christmas. He says, Merry Christmas, guys. G-Man says, COVID is bad, but have you guys heard about the new silent killer? Winter Vagina. Oh, I think gosh. we should kick off the new year with a six-part series on it. Yeah, I'm sure you saw Monday's show, G-Man. We are, we're well aware of, of Winter Vagina. Um, and Josh, I just want to point out that you and I, um, because of the trans conversation we had early, don't think we're off the hook for the dangers of getting Winter Vagina. You never know. <laughs> um, all right. Th- Thomas St. Thomas says... I'm glad I live uh, in the desert. I say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I carry the desert around with me. <laughs> Uh, well, winter is a social construct. Thomas St. Thomas says, I work at a vaccine clinic and talk to people all the time. They have two doses, get a booster, and still won't leave the house. Front lines are crazy. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Crazy. Um, Keith, the hat guy. Go ahead. I said this the other day on Twitter, and I, like, I was very happy with myself for this analogy when it dawned on me. We're playing cooties. We're a bunch of adults. 
I didn't see that, but yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Except goodness. for we have the force of the government, dude. Like, don't touch Carrie. She's got cooties. <laughs> That's we have, yeah. I was at, got guys with guns. So I was lucky to be able to go this week to a Christmas party for uh my husband was playing music for um like two local businesses in and comfort Texas that and we know all these guys. And and I got to I got to crash their office party, which actually it was a really fun party. But I was just looking around and I'm thinking how much I love Texas. I feel so blessed. All these people in one room having fun. Nobody's wearing a mask. I mean, I'm sure they could if they wanted. No one's gonna make them feel bad. But it's like the last thing in their mind. It's and I and I sometimes I look at I freeze a moment of my life and I'm like, I have to remind myself there are people in these blue hysterical cities like that person who wrote that article, Josh about how he decided to go to a wedding in, in the devil's country or whatever. And he caught, he caught COVID even though he's double vaxxed and, and masked and everything. And I have to remind myself those people live like that. Do you know we live like normal here? We've been living like normal this whole time. So last weekend, <laughs> when you were at your party or whatever, I was at the NFR rodeo here, here in town. And we had like, I don't even know how many, 100,000 people come in that come into the city and it's Texans and Florida and and all the free state people. So mm -hmm. it was amazing to walk around. Like I don't wear a mask anyways, period, end of discussion. But to walk around and not be harassed because there were so many other people, like they couldn't do anything. So when we have people coming from all these places and they're not doing it because they don't do it at home, why are they doing it here? Yeah. Um, I felt like why why do i have to have tourists come to my city to yeah. be normal like it was yeah. insane but it felt really good and it was nice i did get harassed a couple times uh but you know it happens <laughs> you in the midwest i am in las vegas las vegas okay <laughs> didn't they have at the very beginning i remember talking to you didn't they have things where they were like advertising with the new taboos like maskless ladies I'll give you your lap dance. <laughs> no i, I think know. that was okay probably there's a strip club out here they're they went under now they're gone but um they had the funniest signs all the time like uh uh wife support group come come here and hang out with the strippers and stuff like i don't know they had they had funny signs it was probably one of their signs if i posted <laughs> yeah I thought the new taboo, the new taboo was going to be, we're going to eroticize bare faces, make that like a fetish. Well, that, I mean, I, that is a, who sent us, one of our, uh, one of our community members sent us the, a, a manga that was about that. It was like, maybe it was like a good six months ago. Maybe it was longer. And I, I read the first one that was available on the, when I clicked the link, but yeah, it was all about, I mean, it, it's prescient, right? Because it was all about kids in like a high school or something and wearing the masks, but it got into this whole, I, I don't want to call it a fetish because it was kind of normal for these kids where it was kind of like, kind of like if you're in a uh, Victorian culture and it's like, oh, I'm going to show you some wrist, like the wrist is very <laughs> exciting, right? She's That's like, hot. Ooh, I got to see her. I got to see her eat. I go, oh, like, okay. you know like, like this, this kind of like, I'm Occasionally. right? <laughs> Occasionally, when when I'm out and I see people like you know got the mask and they do pull it down for whatever, there's a lot of people that have bad acne now and have bad face problems. And I'm like, these people don't want to take their masks off. <laughs> they don't want to let it go because this is not right. 
Like it's, yeah. it's bad, you know? Um, and it's People from sitting wearing under a mask all day. I'm yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody posted on social media yesterday, I think a picture of a sales circular, you know, those flyers that come with the free paper that, that tell you what's on sale at big lots this week or whatever. And there was one that was um, a whole bunch of kids toys on sale, like, you know, playground sets and, and toy cars and things like that. And all the children models playing with the toys. And I think they said this was their niece or nephew had taken a crayon and colored masks onto all the children in the pictures because they looked weird. This child was not used to seeing barefaced children. He thought they looked weird. And so he gave them masks. That's so sad. Yeah. It makes me and, sick. And, and I wanted to point something out because I know you talked about this, Carrie, uh, a year ago or whenever. I know. I mean, I know we talked about it on Coffee Break. I don't remember exactly when, but all that time when we were saying this is not psychologically healthy for kids. Yeah, it's not. Everyone this was like, too- shut up, you stupid anti-vaxxer, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. How many years? Like two years. Two years. I mean, if you're five, that's all you know. If you're six, that's- it's still all you know. I mean, like these kids yep. are just. It's it's so sad. So when I did my trigonometry interview, which was about leaving woke, that was over a year ago. I forget how long ago it was. That was the most controversial comment was at the very end where they asked what's something no one's talking about that they should be talking about. And I just off the top of my head was like, you did say that. What's the psychological impact of masks on children? We're not talking about it. And I got that was the one that caused the most uh, anger or, or controversy in the comments. None of the stuff about woke. The whole interview was about woke, but that little thing about psychological impact of mask on kids. Well, look, it's, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. You've got toddlers growing up who haven't seen adults who haven't seen other kids without masks on. They're, they're coloring in masks on stick figures. That's disgusting. What are you doing yeah. to these kids? They're guinea you, pigs. You know why it made them angry, Carrie, right? Why? Because they know you're right and they know that they're doing it. There's a part of them that knows you're right and that what they're doing to their children is fucking wrong. That not that what makes, makes people mad in general curious. when they know that you're right and you're calling them out on whatever it is. They usually end up with anger outward versus anything else first. So when you confront somebody with the truth, they don't like it. They don't like yeah. it. And that's how they know they need it. <laughs> they're mad. It's just a no brainer though. I mean, yeah. come on. And people are like, kids are resilient. Kids are, they're so resilient. Yeah. We have such resilient kids that we're in a, a society, a country, a, a culture today with high rates of um, opioid abuse, substance abuse, anxiety, pharma- everybody's on pharmaceuticals, divorce. Like, look at all these resilient kids who've grown into wonderful of the adults. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, this is something that you know, I, that- I, I know I've railed against this word resilient kids before. And I just want to point out, like, that is factually and scientifically untrue. There's an entire spectrum called the adverse childhood experience score. There's an entire scoring system for your adverse childhood experiences that correlates directly to bad outcomes as an adult. The idea that you can early death in any way, physical ability, all that income, broken family structures in the next generation. Yes. It's it's like it's Resilient. it's literally do- it's like well studied and documented, like the idea that kids are resilient in a way that would apply to 
masks or some like significant impact on their life, like having to wear a mask every day and not seeing anyone. And like, it's, it's just not true. It's completely false. It's completely so false. So what is, this is for Josh. What is the study? And I took like half a semester of psychology when I was in high school. So I'm like an expert, but okay. <laughs> so what is the study when they took infants and they removed them from touch and personal interaction, smile, like you didn't look at them. What's ha what happened to those kids? They all turned, they turned into like sociopaths. Like they, yes. they had no, I, no way I, of uh, feeling like they, they didn't learn smiling. So smiling when the masks are covering your faces, nobody's smiling at these kids anymore. They're not getting this interaction. They're not being touched. They're not being loved. Right. You know, if I, I, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing, but what comes to mind and I can't remember the details, I believe it was a retrospective analysis of children in orphanages in Eastern Bloc countries. It may have been Poland. It may have been a country near Poland. But at the, the standard of care at the time in these orphanages was basically ignoring the children, leaving them alone in cribs and in beds, in rooms by themselves, not speaking to them, um, not interacting with them, certainly never picking them up and hugging them or comforting them when they cry. And what happened is, and again, I'm fuzzy on the details, I'd have to refresh myself, but the outcomes were horrific. Many of the children became what was apparently just flat out autistic, nonverbal autistic. Um, the rest of them had the same kinds of trauma disorders and conduct disorders that you find in other cases of abuse and neglect. So exactly what you would expect happened. But there's also there is at least one, I think there was a couple of fairly well-known studies called the, um, I believe they were called the blank face test. And this, this was a structured study in which mothers were either instructed to behave a certain way or certain types of mothers were observed in how they interacted with their children, how much they mirrored their facial expressions did they smile when the child smiled? Did they verbally give affirmation when the child indicated a want or an emotion? I, and I think this was in the context of mothers with borderline personality disorder. And they found, un, you know, unsurprisingly, that mothers with borderline had less consistent facial contact. They didn't mirror and validate the emotions in the early infancy stage. And the outcomes were terrible. Yes. Someone in chat echoes something that I th thought, but I don't have evidence for it that some of them died in that study. It was World War II I study. I think they did. Oh, yes. Yeah. I yes, think they, they did. did. They just died of loneliness. Yeah. Many of know? them died. So they, yeah. there was, there was, was last year, I saw some stuff coming out of Canada. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was um, like parents. They were, their kids were sick. They had COVID or whatever, um, or thought they had COVID. And they would put them in rooms alone. And the mom is texting or putting it on Facebook yeah. or whatever, saying like, hey, I'm so sad right now. My kid is out there screaming that they're lonely and this has been day seven or whatever. Yep. And you're like, what the heck is wrong with you? You're, you go to your child. Like <laughs> who cares what the consequences are at this point? Like they're, I don't know, go to your kid. You know, yeah. there's nothing that would keep me away from my kids. I just yeah. tell you that. Yeah. I was just looking up. I know you guys are familiar with, I think, I think you're all familiar with the um, wire monkey studies. Yes. which was also Harlow's monkey studies. And I think that even applies because what he was trying to figure out is if there's in primates and, and 
if there's a mother-child bond and is it based purely on the ability to provide physical needs or on something more? And so in this study, they took these baby monkeys for anybody who's not familiar with it and they separated them from their moms when they were first born. And then they put them with these surrogate fake, fake moms. And there was the wire monkey and there was the terry cloth monkey. The wire monkey. Yeah, the wire mother and the cloth mother. The cloth mother. And what they found is that the monkeys became more attached to, even though both could provide sustenance, like milk, they became attached to the one that more closely resembled a monkey. And if there was a, a stressor or a predator put near them, like they would go to the cloth monkey and they cuddled with it. They treated it more because it looked like more like their mother. And this does apply to humans. This does apply to humans. You can't just leave your child in quarantine for 14 days and go and give them sustenance once in a while and remove that, that all mothering, all affection, all the, even the ability to, you know, read your facial expressions or to read theirs. Like there's something so cold about it. It's such a wire monkey thing to do. I see these moms out. I saw a mom on the street the other day and it's, it's rare to see this in my little town. When I see it, I pay attention. It was a mom who was dragging two small children with her and all three of them were wearing masks outside. And I'm like, what are you doing? Let me so guess. She's kids. not right. No, she was as well. She was. Cause but I see like, parents right yeah. now dragging children along outside who are not masked, but their children are. Yeah. Explain Cause the parents, the parents are vaxxed. So they're safe. So what they're telling their kids is I'm vaxxed. I'm safe. You're going to die unless you wear the mask. And I mean, that's a whole nother, whole nother level of psychological trauma. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm one of these cynics who've been like, I think we got here partly because of bad parenting and yep. I'm horrified to think like the people Lack that are going to be in charge 40 years from now, like I, we're screwed. Yep. Yeah. We are. You so think screwed. we've got hey. cluster bees now? <sighs> you think we have them now? You yeah. wait until the next goddamn generation. Yeah. 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 Hey Carter, I I have to take it. I think I think this is an emergency. I just got a phone call. I just need to take it. It's my family. Um, I'm gonna okay. be right I'll, back. I'll do some super chats. Okay. And I'll make fun of little ragamuffin. Uh, hey. Okay. Oh, by the way, congratulations on your baby. Oh, thank you. Oh. Um, we just have we Keep constructed a wire mother in the other room, and we just <laughs> pump some <laughs> milk in there once in a while. I'm sure she'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I'll fight you naked says whenever Carrie runs into a word she can't pronounce, I laugh because she slips into something like Bidenese. I, I hadn't heard of Bidenese as a term, but uh oh, oh. says, I want a t-shirt saying I survived Koof 19 and all I got was totalitarianism. Yeah. Well. Rebecca P says, or a shirt that states I survived Koof 19 and all I got was a healthy dose of paranoia against big pharma. That would be good. Actually, you got that. Merry Christmas. I appreciate you all, says Denise Rickenbach. Gives us 50 bucks. Thank you, Denise. Uh, that's generous. Keith the Hack Guy says, CDC reported 79% of Americans identified with Omicron are fully vaccinated. Clear policy violation. I'll report back when CDC's Twitter is deleted. <laughs> right? I think that's, that's what yeah. we're finding. Did you see any I of the... Real? Did you see any oh, of the... Little cartoons they were putting out a few months ago. It was like <laughs> peeing in the pool and like all, or I think it was pooping in the pool. I don't know. There were all these really weird, like 
duh, you can't, don't swim in a pool. I don't know. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. They put out weird stuff if you follow them. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like, you well, are not a horse. Stop eating horse pets. <laughs> this is the goddamn government putting this stuff out. You well, are not a horse. I think what they're reminding themselves is you are livestock, but you're not, yeah. and you're their livestock, but you're not a horse. They have different medication for you. <laughs> <laughs> we need cow paste, sheep cow paste. paste. <laughs> that sounds gross. I don't it know really what does. that is, but it sounds gross. That's what, that's what uh, McDonald's makes their burgers with. <laughs> cow paste. Thank you. The burgers come out like pancake batter. <laughs> I love God. a double cheeseburger, though. So you know, me too. <laughs> I love burgers, but maybe not McDonald's. Um, so, all right. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You can go back in a second. Funny story. My cousin was pregnant, and I went to go see her, and she's like eating this McDonald's burger furiously, and she gets almost all the way through it, and she's like, "There's no meat." On the burger, like the whole thing tasted like there was meat. It had everything besides the patty. I don't <laughs> know how. I don't know how, but <laughs> always go to In and Out if you have to go to fast food. Oh, I love In and Out. They got in trouble here in the Bay Area for not firing their vac unvaxxed employees or something. Yeah, so they said "fuck you" and closed the store. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, which is the right move, by the way. Yep. So it is. It goes uh, along with a, those prim principles versus rules. Yeah. You know. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of these people, I mean, it's a smaller scale, obviously, but a lot of these people, um, that, that, that Atlas shrugged moment where it's like, oh, I'll just, I'm just going to close. Oh, you don't, you don't like how I'm running my business. Okay. I'm taking it away. It's yeah. gone. Like a lot of people in the Bay Area, I'm sure, are kicking themselves over that because they love in and out here. It's like a there's always super huge lines and whatever, and they're they think that they're their bullying can work, but at the end of the day, uh, unless you're willing to actually enslave someone and you can never enslave their mind, uh, they don't have to make burgers for you. They can, like okay. I'll bet you if they're if they're resentful about it though, I, I I'm sorry, I don't believe that they're reconsidering at all. I, I bet that they are no. stoking their anger at the unvaccinated workers who forced this to happen. They're yes. stoking their anger at In N Out Burger for disobeying the San Francisco government. You know, it's never gonna be their fault. Yeah. Ever. Yes. Yeah, you're hundred percent right about that. But who cares? I am real. <laughs> oh, did, did you read the one from Keep the Hat Guy that says about January sixth? No, we're not there yet. We're working okay. our way up. I'm going to just read it out of order. January 6th proved that government property isn't public space. Backed up by a lot of 2021 restrictions, only private property is public space now to the government. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah, It's public space and they want it to be. That's a good point though, right? Uh, <laughs> because it, it's not just in use for by whomever wants to be there, right? Um, You're right. That's a good reason not to call it public. <laughs> I am real says hubby thinks Marxism is virtuous and that Christianity killed way more people than communism. I'm going to lose my mind. I left the left, not him. Oh. Well, uh, I mean, I'm sorry that sucks, but I, at least he cares about virtue. I, I don't mean, I'm not trying to belittle this seriously. 
the postmodernists and beyond, which is where a lot of these lefties are now, virtue's like a irrelevant thing. So at least he okay, so he's a Marxist. At least he cares about virtue and he does seem to think that killing people is bad. That might be a low bar to start with, but you can have conversations based off of that. Um, and you can, you know, Here's talk through history. It doesn't actually matter whether Christianity killed more people than Marxism. Uh, if you divide it by the amount of time that it's been implemented, I'm sure the death toll is less, even if they were somewhat comparable at the beginning. Let's like just say Christianity didn't kill old. people. People kill people. Yeah. Well, well you like would, they would else. say the same about the same Marxism, about right? Communism. They would say the same. And guns right. and whatever. Right. Well, so. th th what I think you're trying to say, Carter, is, is all, this is, who, who wrote this? I am real. I am real. This is what, mm -hmm. uh, when I've talked about having social justice friends before on this show, I still have a few friends who are really deep in the social justice world who are opposed to everything I, I now believe and I'm opposed to everything they believe that I used to believe, but I'm still friends with them. Why? Because they're willing to be friends with me, which first of all is rare among social justice cultists. They're encouraged to cut off contact. So if they're willing to be friends with me, why would I cut off contact with them? Like your husband, he's still with you. He hasn't been like, you're out. Right. And the, and the other thing is because, so that proves there's something open in their mind already that they haven't, like th thrown me out with the bathwater. And the other reason is because I know deep down what Carter is saying, one of my friends who I'm thinking of, for example, I know she's in social justice because she is a true believer and because she opposes racism and sexism. And she really believes this, all the lies that this psychopathic ideology has sold her. It's like someone being under the spell of a narcissist or sociopath. Like she believes all this stuff. And she hasn't seen it for, she hasn't seen the mask drop yet. She's seen it, maybe gotten a few hints of it. And we've talked about that, but she hasn't seen it fully come off. She's not convinced yet that it is wearing a mask. She believes what it says it is. But so deep down, I know we share, what do we share in common? Probably what you and your husband share in common, what Carter's saying. You oppose tyranny, oppression, governments, destroying people, you know, all of that stuff. This, it's just that, he is still buying into some of the stuff and probably maybe I don't know your husband, but in my friend's case, she's buying into stuff that social justice says ways that it sells itself and dresses itself up as something different. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I, I want to be clear. I'm not minimizing that. I couldn't be married to someone with that big of difference. Like I just couldn't, there's no way right. I could do it. Um, which is why I think in relationships, the most important thing is the underlying philosophic premises, because even if you even if they manifest in different ways, if you share the premises, that manifestation will become over time closer and closer to each other. Because if you're you're wed to the premises and to the or just say for me, it's being read wed to the method of reason. Right. Then if there's an objective reality and you're wed to the method of reason, you can't grow apart, right? New information can only help bring you together. Um, I don't know what your situation is, but I, you're, if he's the kind of person that can sit down and have discussions about this and wants to, like if he's a, if he's nerdy enough to sit down and have these discussions, I think a starting point for this discussion is to ask the question, what is virtuous? And I, we, Last night I was on a book club. I know I I cheat on unsafe space book club. I'm on another I'm on another book club. 
You're so um, dirty, Carter. I know. We and we read. We were reading Plato, oh. uh, and um, we were we had just read Protagoras and uh, Gorgias, and which are the which are two Socratic dialogues, and um, people wanted to have this big. It was a two hour discussion, and most of it was consumed and with this debate about whether virtue could be taught. And at the whole thing at the end, to me, the whole thing kind of felt, um, while interesting at times, futile. Because you can't have a discussion about whether virtue can be taught unless you agree on what virtue is. And people weren't agreeing on what virtue is. So you can't actually argue against Marxism being virtuous or Christianity being virtuous if you haven't first had a conversation about what do you mean by virtuous? And that's where, if he's that kind of person, that that question could be months and years of discussions between you that will be deep and interesting, just like, what the hell is virtue? Have that conversation. So Maybe that's the place if, to start. If you look at, across the board, just any kind of civilization, whatever, from now until the beginning of time, you'll find there are a few things that are run through all of it. Stealing. People don't, don't like it. People don't like it if you lie and people don't like it if you murder. So there's a common thread. And right now we're unraveling all of that. And you can see like people looting and whatever and running out with $900 worth of stuff from Walgreens in California and all these things. Yeah. So, but, but those are the things that I think tie a community together. If you get behind a couple core things and the avenue on which you choose to um, get there like like this husband and wife, they they see things, they have different value or not value systems, but Sounds whatever. Like but they, they value they, systems, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, so I'm good there. Or belief systems. <laughs> belief systems, yeah. But they're they're going in the right path together. Does that make sense? Like they're connecting on on what they think is wrong, just different mm -hmm. ways to get there. Am I seeing that right? <laughs> I don't know what they're doing because I don't have a lot of insight, but but maybe yeah. they're doing that. Um, but yeah, I I like. One thing I like about what you're saying is when you're thinking about stuff like virtue, there's always like some nice little checks that reality can give you. So like if you develop a system where murder is okay, you might want to be like, hmm, I must have made some errors because murder is pretty universally abhorred and horrible. Like that's that's one of those that a lot of cultures seem to agree on as really bad. So maybe I made some I took a left turn in Albuquerque. A left turn? Hey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For anyone, for anyone listening who's thinking of having this thought experiment or this conversation with someone they disagree with that Carter's talking about, like, what is virtue? I'm just thinking back to when I was a social justice person. I could have agreed with Carter that racism is wrong. We, we could share this belief, right? Or that this virtue, this idea that treating someone differently on the basis of race is wrong. The disconnect is that their system of belief encourages them to treat people differently on the basis of race, but has built in all of these excuses and justifications why. So I think the trick there is, is if you start talking to your husband and you guys find a shared virtue that you say, okay, it's wrong to treat someone differently on the basis of race, like give them a promotion because of their race or give their words more weight because of their race or, you know, uh, give them any kind of favor or discrimination because of their race. But then you find in practice, he actually supports some of that stuff. That's like where you can help. That would have helped me unravel faster 
by ideology. If somebody could have pointed out that even though I thought I believed certain things in practice, I was going along with a psychopathic belief system. That was the opposite of all those things. And I couldn't even see it because of all the justifications and the spinning of webs it did around definitions and well, here's why it's justified. And because, you know, it, that's, that's, I don't know if I'm articulating that well. But yeah, that's why you don't cut people yeah. off. If they're willing to keep you the same one in their life, you don't cut that tie because you might be the, the light that gets through to them so, so that they can see those webs. You know, mm -hmm. if you're just like, it's oh, you're the, crazy, yeah. I'm out, then they have no yeah. hope. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things that I like about Socrates, which I mentioned before, <laughs> like, Socrates doesn't do a great job, at least from what I've read, doesn't do a great job of defining things, but he does do a great job of completely unraveling arguments that other people are making when they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're using words and they don't know what they mean by the words. And that's like most of us, most of the time, especially nowadays, people saying, I'm anti-racism, I'm this. What does that mean? Right. Oh, that means blah, blah, blah. What does discrimination mean? Oh, well, that means it. What does that mean? Like, they don't actually know what they're talking about. And Correct. Socrates was as annoying as he seems to the, like, if you read the dialogues, right, he's like kind of an annoying person, but he really pulls apart to this like, hey, it turns out, Protagoras, you have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Like you're, you're pretending that, you know, and you're going to do this stuff. But I like, as soon as he, as soon as I query you, it turns out you don't know what this concept is in the first place, this concept that you're purporting to be able to teach. Um, and I think that's super important because that there's a lot of errors. People use these words and then they run around with implementation and they don't yes. really know what they're talking about. And they've no one's asked them to examine it. And everyone, their eyes glaze over and they, they're like, oh, you want to have this laborious discussion about what virtue is? Well, yeah, because you're trying to pass laws that will be enacted at the point of a gun to make me do shit. Yeah, we need to have a discussion about what virtue is. And if you're not willing to have that discussion, shut the fuck up and sit down. Here is... A, a, a softer glove way. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, uh, one of the people I've ever even watched this show, they know, they know this, but Jordan Peterson had a big impact on me because the way in which he talked about this was so calm and common sense, which is not so common anymore. And so just sort of, uh, pointing out that people a lot of times, I mean, he just pointed out the basic fact that people a lot of times will say opinions that are not their own and that that's a form of lying, that people will say things. And, and, and so I started interrogating everything I was saying, which makes you interrogate what you mean by words, which makes you choose your words carefully so that you are most accurately representing what you think. So the other person can understand you better. And all of that stuff was new for me. That sounds crazy, but that was all new for me because in a cult, you don't do any of that in a cult of belief. Like Carter said many you times, don't think. you don't think and you just use words to. to manipulate. You just use words. You don't even realize you're doing it. They're just giving you words and phrases to say, to manipulate the conversation. It's like, okay, now I get to say, stay in your lane. Okay. Now I get to say, check your privilege. Okay. Now I get to say, you know, it's not my job to educate Racist. you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that one. When yeah, can I say no, that I'm one? That's you. my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> 
and they're not thinking they're just waiting until they something triggers or they're like ah this is when i say this i always like to think of that all that stuff is you know you got you got the wife and a husband and they're having discussions she's like do i look fat in these jeans and he has no way to go like if he says yes because maybe she does he's screwed but if he says no and she's like well did I look fat in something else? Like, you know, like there's always this, that, that wife, that woman that's got one over you, no matter which way you go. And that's how these social justice, they, that's how they work. It's like, no matter what you say, they're going to be like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? You know? Yeah. See, and the problem there is the wife. Don't ask it is, the question. It's the women. Don't well, ask actually, the question if you don't want the real answer. When I ask I was the question, say, I if want you the don't real answer, answer truthfully, yeah. If yes. you don't answer truthfully, then you're part of the problem. Also. You're part like, of the problem yes. too. But you have to say, yeah, I love you. Yes, you look fat in those jeans. Or whatever. Yep. Like, yep. Yes, you do. I, You're not you, fat. Because you are not fat. Maybe you are. Maybe you are fat. Like, this is a conversation that. my wife and I have been having because yes. she just had a kid. She just had and a baby and she's like, Right. And she's I know. So we're but but we're not pretending that she didn't just have a baby. She's like, Oh, look, I have a belly. Right. I'm like, Yep. Yeah, yeah, you do. You're you 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 look like a little pudge right now. That's not her fault. She's oh. supposed to. She just had a baby. Like <laughs> That's fine. It's but just reality. Look, I yeah, when, like, when I ask that question, I want the real answer. I yeah, but, want some. Mm -hmm. the, the thing is, most people don't want the real answer, though. That's the problem. I, I mean, I think the problem is several steps farther back. You know, I think what's underneath that. Um, I know we typically, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is a typical husband wife dynamic. We know which sex plays which role. But I've done shit like that, too, with my friends. You know, do these pants make me look fat? You know, da 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 da, -da. Mm -hmm. I've done it where, I, you know, I just wanted somebody to tell me, no, you look great. Why? Because I was insecure and I knew that I was overweight, but I didn't want to face the truth. And I wanted to maneuver my friend into giving me an emotional salve. I wanted somebody to, right? Yeah. That's so how problem. about how about the person answering the question, though? Like, what if they're specifically telling you something like no that you don't look fat in those jeans because they they want you to look fat because they're jealous that you look good most of the time well that that's that's oh. a form of abuse Burn the dead one. yeah right <laughs> oh i mean unless oh i'm sorry maybe i, I was reading you wrong there yeah. on that jennifer she's saying she's saying they want you to look fat because they secretly despise you so they're telling you you don't look fat so you don't change the jeans because now they're going to feel better that they've made you a worse person. Oh, okay. Well, well, then that's just emotional abuse. Yeah, yeah. burn that deadwood. Gotcha. Andrew B says the left's attacks on Jordan Jordan Peterson were a major wake up call to me. Also, me yes. too, Andrew. Because he was just he wasn't saying anything controversial, but they, I, I noticed how they were trying to turn it all into something malevolent or controversial, or like when he he was talking about forced monogamy and they. <laughs> culturally enforced monogamy and they try to turn it they into call, some authoritarian they, thing. They called it forced monogamy, like the government yeah. is going to come in and force you. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, I agree with what Andrew says, but I'm going to twist the knife. I'm going to push the knife in a little bit harder. Um, the left, but mainly the female left. Mm -hmm. Mainly the female left is freaking oh, yeah. out over Jordan Peterson. It is women who are beside themselves with rage at Jordan um, Peterson. I, there I, are some I, men, I, but it's more. No, women. no, no. I, you're 100 right, and I will say that the male, the male left, for the most part, 
is trying to get the female left to sleep with them, and they're not the leaders intellectually. Yeah. That the, the left is not led by men. The left Correct. is predominantly met, led by women and men who are agreeing with them in order to get access to panties. Well, and it's also, I've, I've noticed yeah. that. I completely agree. I noticed that on the left. I also noticed a lot of women on the left are becoming, it's, it's weird how these things feed into each other because one thing happens and, you know, there's a reaction and, and a lot of the women are becoming more domineering and abusive and narcissistic and, and, and yes, bitchy, but you can't call them bitchy. Yeah. And they, and they're, bitchy. But they also have this kind of a, well, we've seen this in the studies where they go on dating sites and they're rating their own attractiveness level much higher than other people rate them. Women are, but then they're rating men much lower. Like they have this inflated narcissistic view of how be like they will rate themselves a 10 when they're a six and they'll rate a man a two when he's a six. <laughs> it's like they have a, 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 a misperception well, of their own value that. and of men's value. And yes. I don't know. There's, there's just something, there's something really off there because I still see this in the, in the woke people that I know this it's becoming more pronounced. Even their, their male spouses or partners are like in a lot of cases, they come off like lap dogs. They're, they're pussy like, whipped. They're stepping fetchets. Yeah. They're stepping fetchets. They come They're They're what else can I get you? Not in a, I love you and I want to take care of you way. I don't, I mean, in a way where it's become perverted, where it's only going in one direction and it's like, yes, master kind of way. Yep. I, I've worked a lot of gig jobs where I interact with the public in the past few years and it's just gross. I don't know. It's just so gross. I, men and women are different uh, on average in their cognitive repertoires, i.e. personalities. And one of the weaknesses of, of women, they both have weaknesses. Men men have, you know, greater tendency towards aggression and whatever. Women are much more likely to be narcissists. Like in the sense, like they're much more likely to just be, I, I don't know if narcissists, it's like not, maybe not clinically narcissists, but they're, they have higher neuroticism and they're much more likely to make everything about them. Like that's just, that's one of their weaknesses in general. Men have other weaknesses, right? Like, but that's generally not the same weakness. And so, that's true. and you, you know, it's interesting. And I mean, I could, sometime I'm going to have to do a show about this and just get a bunch of interesting people on because it could be talked about for hours and we might never figure out the answer. That is also true of gay men. Um, gay men, when we go wrong psychologically, we go wrong in ways that look in many ways female typical. Um, high neuroticism, high right? Um, Are you saying hi, like I have it? Well, yeah. Oh. I'm, 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 you know, okay. I, I mean, I, I spend some time like, I, this is a pro, I'm not going to get into great detail about it, but I spend some time questioning myself about, you know, well, these traits that you have in these characteristics, you know, is, are they more male typical? Are they more female typical? What does it have to do with the messages you picked up about being a gay man? You know, all sorts of shit like that. But the high neuroticism, the narcissism is, is, I mean, no, very few people will say it, but everybody knows that if you think of gay men, narcissism is, narcissism is going to be one of the qualities uh, that, that you frequently, you know, the kind of insecurity that expresses itself is that self-glorification. Um, I just think it's interesting. Um, and I think it's interesting that lesbians, 
in some ways tend to go wrong in in some male typical ways. You'll see a lot more actual physical aggression and violence from lesbians than you will from straight women on average. Yep. Domestic yeah. assault. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, it, it is fascinating. You should do that show. I got a question. <laughs> okay. So in in a gay relationship, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say sorry ahead of time. Which here. one's the woman? No. no. <laughs> why, why do you need like a super hot chick or a super attractive guy or whatever? And then like they go for the complete opposite. Like the super hot chick wants like the, the real butchy manly woman. Like aren't you don't wouldn't you want like the hottest of the hot? Like if you like women, aren't you going for like I don't get that oh, why are there more Beautiful women model lesbian couples have is what you're asking. Can I disagree real quick? When I was like 20 years ago, that's what I saw. I saw a lot of like very feminine presenting women with a masculine presenting woman. That's not what I see anymore. I see a lot of couples now who look like each other. Mm. Which is weird because um, that's always been the case with gay men. We call it um, gay twin syndrome. Um, you'll see gay men. I, I, I mean, I'm... I would be surprised if you guys haven't observed this. I, I saw such a couple in a restaurant when I was in Rhode Island a couple weekends ago. I literally had to study these two men to tell them apart. They, <laughs> oh my gosh. They weren't actually, I mean, they were clearly boyfriends, not actually related, but their facial features and their grooming choices, hair, facial hair, their clothes was so similar that I was, I, I was like, which which one? It's what you see that a lot. So it's interesting to me, Carrie, to hear that you're seeing more of that in, in lesbian couples as well. Maybe that's just online because I'm observing Maybe. social justice. I'm not I, I don't know. a lot of gay couples, so I don't know. Well, Jennifer, I think I think that um, what, it, it's, it's more than we have time to talk about, but I, I think it has a lot to do with, I don't know the answer to this. And some of this, I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm, thinking about it as I articulate it. There, one of the inherent problems, I'm not saying it's a terminal problem, I'm not saying it's fatal, I'm just saying it's a problem that crops up a lot in homosexual couples, is that many of us, I, I, I would say probably the majority of us, when we're in a romantic or sexual relationship, we too, although we're homosexuals, we want some sort of, if you will pardon me, gender difference in our partners, right? Okay. Um, and it becomes a problem with homosexuals because, I mean, like with gay men, for example, almost every gay man, it's only a minority of gay men who want an effeminate Nancy boy boyfriend. Some of them do, but it is a minority. Most of us gay men want a butch, masculine guy. That's what turns that us on. That makes sense. That makes our heart swoon, yeah. right? But a lot of times, neither of us is that person in the relationship. And I think the same thing happens with women, too. I think it's a difficult thing to navigate. You and I talked about this uh, before, Josh, about the, the, the necessity of having that polarized charge between masculinity and femininity and yes and, and to maintain the excitement of a relationship and yes it is one of those questions of like how do you deal with it when you are starting from the same pole 
<laughs> right. No pun intended. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you in straight uh, relationships, the social justice ones, just anecdotally we're talking about, they flipped it. It's you've got these women who are putting off a lot of masculine energy and these men who are putting off a lot of feminine energy, but it's almost, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just something about it. That's, that's it's, yeah, but it's little, not even, I think you're right, Carrie, but yeah. it's not just, it's not even really feminine. It's more doormat. Correct. That's what right? I meant. Yeah. It's, it's not something like, about that's it's perverted. Not complimentary. Yeah. It, insofar Correct. as it's not feminine in terms of like a, a fully realized feminine personality, it's a submissive doormat. That's yeah, not say yeah, it's, it's, it's a submission right. thing. Yeah. It's it's basically like um the way in which masculinity goes wrong and the way in which femininity goes wrong, and those yes. two things presenting together. Yes. But flipped. So where the woman yes. is presenting the way in which masculinity goes wrong. Good observation. Does that makes sense. Yep. All right. Let's do some more super chats. Two sisters and some yarn says sending non-specific holiday love to y'all and saying, Hey, go check out the activist elf. I've been sharing in main telegram chat, which I heard just now is very dangerous place to be. Uh, G man says, would the Capitol be considered public space? Not according to Nancy Pelosi. Uh, and then Keith followed up with that one, which we read earlier. Andrew B just sent us five bucks. Thank you, Andrew. Crash Mondo says, Jesus said, take out the log from your own eye, then worry about the splinter in your brothers. A wise pastor told me a person with a log in their eye is more apt to see splinters in other people's. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. They're projecting. They, they project their log onto everyone else, right? <laughs> they got a bunch of wood in their eye, and so every time they look outward, they're like, hey, that, that person has wood. And that Hey. Um, oh, <laughs> hot. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ignore this. Josh. is a Rodzilla. <laughs> Rodzilla says, you... Hey, people, pony up for Christmas. Or to wait, wait, wait. Is their name Rodzilla? Carry smile. Rodzilla5332. Rod... <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Rodzilla <laughs> says, Pony up for Christmas, or at least to make Carrie smile. He's giving money to Carrie. Carrie, are you going to smile? I don't know if she smiles on demand. No. I think I'm lagging. I think my internet's lagging. But uh, I am smiling. And somebody, this is not a super chat, but somebody asked, has Carrie always been heterosexual or nah? That's actually, <laughs> yes, I've always been heterosexual. But here's the thing. When I was in college, the idea that every woman was on the spectrum of fluidity and somewhat bisexual was very common in the same way mm -hmm. that everybody's a little trans now is very common. And you have all these people who naturally were not popular culturally and socially, they would not be saying they're trans. That was happening back then with bisexuality. And so yes. I, like a lot of women my age, Gen X, had a, an experience with a woman and it was not for me, <laughs> but I don't know about that with Josh, but I, I tried. Story I believed, time. Oh yes. Yeah. I believed and it. And I, I bring it up only because I see that happening now with gender, the same thing that was happening with sexuality, where it's like this cool and trendy thing. And I see a lot of women who were that same age that I was, who are now like, Oh yeah, I'm gender non-binary and I'm this and I'm, you know, cause it's trendy. 
and they yeah. have bought into the idea that this is uh, that that it's actually restrictive and patriarchal and all this stuff not to be that, you know. Right. Right. I feel like I feel like women in general set set trends for each other to follow, and then the men mm -hmm. kind of follow that because they're following the women. Like, here's an example. I'm going to talk country music for a second. Carter, you can close your ears, whatever. That's so, that's fine. But can I quickly say, <laughs> chat wants receipts, Carrie. Oh. Go ahead, little ragamuffin. Yeah. So you see the I'll think about what this could be. The traditional country music and how it's going now, it's like this, it sounds like you're at a nightclub or whatever. Yes. Um, not the same thing. So, but But what happens is they get the girls, you know, dancing, and not dancing on the floor. So then the music keeps, they keep producing that type of music because it brings women into the bars or the whatever's into that field. Mm -hmm. And then the men just go with it because, hey, the women are there. And now the entire genre of country music is crap. <laughs> like, so mm -hmm. it's the same thing for like, you know, fashion and whatever else. You can, you can plug that model and you can take it yeah. wherever you want to go. And you see this like, um, with the, the bisexual stuff Carrie was talking about or whatever, like they get the women to do the thing and women will perform for other women because they, the fashion wise or whatever, they dress for each other. Um, and then men will follow because they want to be where the women are. And sometimes men are really, um, <clears throat> men are, uh, sometimes men are quite happy about the fashions that happen. Uh, among women, like the whole thing with bisexuality in the 90s, the guys went along with it because they're like, oh, hot, I get to see two chicks do it, you know? Yeah. So it was consonant with their interests. Absolutely. I was in college in the late 90s. It was, yeah, awesome. Did right, you have right? a good time, Carter? <laughs> Did I? No, actually, I was kind of a nerd. I didn't really. But the Not idea much. of what I should be doing in college was great. Um, <laughs> yeah. I. This is an argument... I've been thinking about this for a while and I, and I one thing that has disappeared in not completely but almost completely and certainly disappeared from social acceptability is the idea of men's spaces. Yeah. And um the the value in having a man's men only space is that guys know that excuse my vulgarity but like pussy trumps everything, right? They they know if they're in a space and there's women there. They're going to want more women there. They're going to be the focus. Like the entire focus and attention of the space is going to turn to the women because the guys will turn it. They and they know that about themselves. Yep. And they and the only way to prevent that is to have a space where there aren't any women. Um, so you can hang out and talk about other things and do other things and not be distracted. Um, and I think it's I think men's spaces are in large part not something that's intentionally sexist, but something that's self-aware. And men realize like, look, there's edification that I need with my fellow men to just talk yep. and, and, and relate. And we can't do that. We are incapable of doing that. If there's a female in the room, we can't. I think you're, I, I suspect you're right about that, Carter. I think that is, I think it, it does work that way. Um, and it's, you know, I mean, if you think about, you know, the difficulty of maintaining the integrity of a space like that for the reasons that men need to have it, um, think about what a mess it is having gay male only spaces. Right. Right. We, we can't avoid it because, you know, it's 
Well, we we can say, right, that what we want is is fellowship or brotherhood, or we want to be able to share these common experiences. But the reality is it's just shot through with sexual tension and there's no getting away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, sexual drives are not, you can't just wish them away and be like, no. oh, well, we're, you know, we'll just pretend that this is not what's happening. Like it, yeah. you know, the, the first person to break that agreement, everyone follows. So, um, all right, let's do some more super chats since Carrie's back. Johnny Boy Crick Draw says, I would like to wish, wish each living thing a season-appropriate, personally desired sense of existence per each thing's lived experience, assuming each thing desires to exist and be alive. Just kidding. Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. That was awesome, Johnny Boy. Thank you. Uh, C. Jones says, my dogs, Rico and Cash. And I wish you all happy holidays. Carrie, they are making a movie for Betty White's 100th birthday. Josh, where can I mail you a sweet potato pie? <laughs> Much love. Slash. Meet him at the last Myth Informed thing. I got to meet Chris. It was awesome. Oh, I think I told you. He said it. He said a Golden Girls sing friend, and I knew immediately who it was before I turned around. <laughs> Um, Swiftner says, listening on two times speed to catch up, making a quick swing through oppressed territory, post office posted sign, no mask, no service, and Home Depot had police car and officer providing deterrent presence. Good God. Yeah, welcome to the police state, man. Jesus. Yeah. All right. That, that, we got through Super Chats, and it's been two hours. What else do we need to do, Carrie? I think we just need to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. Yeah, and let you know we have a book club coming up on Sunday if you want to join us. I think that'll be the last live stream that we do of any kind before the new year. Uh, Black Rednecks and White Liberals by Thomas Sowell. That's this Sunday. You can find out more info at unsafespace.com on the book club page. I'm so happy that you guys joined us for our last episode. Thank I'm you. happy you of invited the year, me. Not our last I'm episode so exciting. Yeah. You guys are yeah. wonderful. And it's so nice to meet you, Josh. You too, Jennifer. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Thank you guys. Um, you part of you've you've uh, made you have your your show and your friendship has made a very difficult year uh have some bright spots. And I'm glad to know all of you. And I wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. <sighs> Merry Christmas to you, man. And I, I will say. Uh, you're one of the people that uh, I became friends with this year because of, I don't actually know if it was because of this show or yep. Carrie yeah. found you somewhere else, whatever it was. I found uh, you guys because I heard Carrie on trigonometry and I was so taken with her story and her presence that I started listening to you guys and then da, 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 da. So that's, that's how we, we got where we are. I'm it's been great. It's been great. And little ragamuffin, you've been around forever. So we always love you. Since uh, the dawn of time. <laughs> since the dawn of time. But Josh is one of those people that this year I met and I've become, become friends with. And I really, it's something I really appreciate about this year. And uh, yeah. And if you guys don't follow little ragamuffin, you can follow her. I'll, we should let you guys say again where people can find you. Oh, yes. If you're, if you are new to our show and you didn't watch, there's an interview with Josh. There's also an interview with little ragamuffin. Um, who continues to fight the social justice mob in the SOAST community, which is a thing 
for you yeah. gamers who don't know. Is it called the Soist community? Really? I don't know. <laughs> some days, some days it's Soist, some days it's Sower, which I don't, I don't like because it looks like sewer when it's written down. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. you know, I, I know why they don't use it, and I think it's, I mean, I think it's unfortunate. But really, the word seamstress is so jaunty. So uh -uh. Can't Great you just word. be seamstress? The, yeah, yes. I, that's. I prefer seamstress. Um, Taylor. They think that that's a yeah. man title, but it's not. It's it's a gender neutral. It just describes your trade and what you're capable of doing. Yeah. So you could do seamstress. <laughs> in the in the costuming community, it's stitcher. I mean, you're like the head stitcher. Okay. That's a real title. So I mean, there's all kinds of cool things. I prefer problematic seamstress. Nice. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. All right, are we are we done? You guys, tell them where to find you. And oh yes, yes. Who me? You can find <laughs> you can find me. You can find our site at disaffected.fm. Just go or go to YouTube, Pandora, Spotify, any of these places. Put in disaffected podcast, and you'll find us. And I'm on. I think every social media platform now. I've been trying to get off Facebook, so I've just joined everything. Um, so just look for a little ragamuffin and you'll find me. And uh, Odyssey, I just started uploading all my stuff to Odyssey. So Good. please, everybody in the community, leave YouTube. Go to Odyssey. Yeah, that's true. We're on like, Odyssey too. You go. should go to Odyssey. Good, good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Have Merry a happy Christmas, New Year. Guys. We'll <laughs> Merry see everyone Christmas. next Bye. year. Enjoy the break. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by Dr. Fauci. All praise be to his name. The following co-conspirators have been asking too many questions. You know what to do. Once the Maxwell trial is over, we promise there will be no more pedophiles among the ruling class. Just one more job to combat the Zeta variant. Oops I mean the Omicron variant. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately.
there will be cake.